Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Let's pray and get started. Father, we thank you so much for this chapter of 2 Corinthians. Father, um, the contrast between the old and the new covenant, the glory that you've given us in Christ, we thank you that you've revealed this to us. Father, um, I ask that you would be with us this morning as we study your word, and I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so this morning we're going to talk about one verse of that whole chapter you read. We're going to talk about the memory verse, 2 Corinthians 3.18. So let's read that together. We all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this is from the Lord, the Spirit. My mother-in-law has a tree in her backyard that she calls a butterfly bush. It's not at all the same as the butterfly bush I have in my backyard. It's different. (laughs) Hers is actually a tree. Every year, this tree is covered with caterpillars, um, black and yellow and orange striped caterpillars. The caterpillars eat almost all the leaves off this tree. They stuff their face until they're fully grown, And then they disappear. And about a month later, her garden is filled with these beautiful orange butterflies. Now, I've never observed personally how this happens, but I have read about it. The caterpillars eat and eat and eat and eat, and that's all they do until they're fully grown. And then one day, they hang themselves upside down on a leaf or a twig and either spin a cocoon around themselves or their skin comes off, and inside is this hard chrysalis casing that encases them. Inside the cocoon, or the chrysalis, the caterpillar basically digests itself. If you cut this thing open, caterpillar soup would come out. (laughs) Gross, right? (laughs) But inside the caterpillar is a spark of what's coming. Within this caterpillar soup... God has placed DNA instructions for the cells of this caterpillar to start rebuilding a new animal. And a body is formed, and legs, and a head, and eyes, and antenna, and wings, until one day a butterfly emerges from the cocoon. What was once a crawling, destructive, worm-like creature has become this beautiful, flying, nectar-sipping creature completely different. This process is called metamorphosis. And that's the word Paul uses in our verse today. We all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed. The Greek word is metamorpho, metamorphosis, into the same image. Metamorphosis is a change in nature, a complete transformation. What Paul's speaking of here is the radical change which all Christians experience after the veil is removed and they've turned to the Lord and have been saved. The big theological word is sanctification. That's what Paul's talking about in this verse. Now, way back in Genesis, in Genesis 1.26, the Bible tells us that man and women were created in God's image, in his likeness. 
We were created to be like him, to be righteous and holy and just and merciful and loving and truthful and a hundred other things that reflect his character. But the image of God that we were designed to carry was broken and marred by the fall. The fall changed everything. It changed every part of us, our bodies, our minds, our emotions, our abilities, every part of us. That's what total depravity means. Doesn't mean I'm as bad as I could be. It means every part of me is affected by sin. Fallen men and women are not just butterflies with faded wings. They're greedy, crawling, worm-like creatures, not at all like the image they were created to be. But God is in the metamorphosis business. We all know and love Romans 8.28, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. This verse does not mean, contrary to what a lot of people believe, that only good things will happen to you when you're a Christian. It means that everything that happens to you, both the good and the bad, are for your good because they're directed by God. And what is our good? We usually stop right here with Romans 8.28, but if you go on to Romans 8.29, God tells you what our good is. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed, there's that word again, sumorphos, into the image of his son. That is our good. The reason God predestined us, the reason he called us, was to be metamorphosed into the image of his son, to be changed, restored to that image we had in the garden before the fall. So how does this happen? How are we changed? Well, sanctification begins with regeneration, turning to the Lord, as Paul describes in this chapter. The veil is lifted from our hard hearts. We are able to behold the Lord. We see God's holiness, and we see our sinfulness. And we realize that all of our supposed goodness and good works are completely useless, worthless, dirty rags, the Bible calls them. We confess our sin and repent and trust wholly in the saving work of Jesus Christ. When that happens, we're born again. Paul describes it in 2 Corinthians 5, and it's a scripture song, so know that I'm singing this in my head, but I'm not going to sing it out loud. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Regeneration is not a human effort. It's not cleaning up your act. It's not moral reformation. It's reformation on the inside that's done to you by God. Jesus accused the Pharisees many, many times of this outward moral reformation, working very hard to look good on the inside, on the outside, but on the inside full of decay and death. Being born again is entirely the work of the Holy Spirit. It's a heart change on the inside, which works its way out. 
In the Old Testament, God promised us this change. Jeremiah 31, he says, I'll put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. In Ezekiel 36, he said, I'll give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh, and I'll put my spirit in you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my laws. So we're born again. The veil has been lifted. We have a new heart. We're a new creation. Now what? Now the, prom- the promise of sanctification begins, the metamorphosis, the restoration of God's image that was destroyed in the fall. So let's see what we can learn about that in this week's verse. Let's read it one more time. 2 Corinthians 3.18. We all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this is from the Lord, the Spirit. Who does this verse apply to? Paul says, we all. All who have had the veil lifted, all who can behold the glory of the Lord. That's all born-again Christians. So metamorphosis should be happening to me, and it should be happening to each one of you. If you're a Christian, you will be transformed. What is the goal of the metamorphosis? Well, this verse says, being changed into the same image as the image we're beholding, the image of the Lord, having that image of God restored in us. It's a goal that doesn't happen instantaneously. The verb here is in the present tense, which means continue to let yourself be transformed. It's something that happens over a lifetime. It's a continual process. And it says from one degree of glory to another. It's a process that should be moving in an upward direction. Now, that doesn't mean you're never going to slip back and fall. You will. Everybody will. But if you look at the trajectory of your life over five years or ten years, you should be developing more and more the character of Christ. It won't be perfect until you die. First John tells us when we see him, we will be like him because we'll see him as he is. But it should be moving in that direction. From one degree of glory to another also tells us that everybody's journey is not the same. We need to be aware of that and not expect everybody we meet to be on the same level we are and not expect ourselves to be on the same level maybe someone else is. It's a personal journey. So who's responsible for the transformation? The verb here is passive. It's something that's being done to us. We are not transforming ourselves. We are being transformed. And the verse tells us this is from the Lord, the Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit working deep within our hearts to transform us. His grace and his work are what change us. It's only by his work that we can be changed. Now, does this mean we have no responsibility in the transformation? It absolutely does not mean that. Um, Philippians 2, 12 and 13 admonishes us this. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. We have work to do. For it is God who works in you. 
God is working in us, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. He gives us the will and the ability to change. We work to live responsible Christian lives, but the desire and the ability come from God. We must cooperate and obey the Holy Spirit where he leads us. It's possible for us to resist his influence in our lives. The Bible warns us not to quench the Spirit. That means not to suppress his influence. The Bible warns us not to grieve the Spirit. That means we can do things that sadden or offend him. Scripture admonishes us to walk according to the Spirit, not according to the flesh, and to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to be aware of his influence and his leading. So what causes our transformation? According to this verse, it is beholding the glory of the Lord. Now, the word behold is a word we don't use a lot. Um, And it's translated differently in some Bibles. There are several different words in the New Testament that can be translated behold. And this one has as its root word a word meaning mirror. So your translation may say behold as in a mirror or behold as in a glass. That's why it's translated that way some places. But let's focus on the word behold and not the mirror. Behold means to study to look at, to consider carefully. What are we to consider carefully? Well, this verse tells us the glory, the infinite worth, the excellency, the splendor of the Lord Jesus. Consider his presence and all of his attributes. Consider his love. Consider his great sacrifice for us. So we can see, even though this verse is passive, we're being transformed Transformation is being done to us. We have a responsibility, which is to behold the Lord. This is how we're transformed to be more like him. Now, Paul is not speaking here about some ecstatic experience or vision of the Lord. He's speaking about beholding the Lord in the only way we can, which is through the pages of the scripture. There's a parallel verse to this verse in the book of Romans. It's Romans 12, 2. And Paul wrote that about a year after he wrote this letter to the Corinthians. And it says this, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. There it is again, metamorpho. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Again, the verb is passive. Be transformed. Allow yourself to continue to be transformed. But this verse also contains a command. Do not be conformed to this world. Instead, renew your mind. The world Paul's talking about here is the godless world under the influence of fallen man and the devil in rebellion to God. That world is pressuring us to conform And if you don't feel that pressure, you don't ever leave your house. Um, Just look at television and movies, magazines. Look at what passes for wisdom in universities these days. 
Look at people screaming in the streets. Look at women dressed up as private body parts, demanding the right to murder their unborn children. Um, look at political pundits on the news. Have you been in a bookstore lately and seen what there is for sale? It, we're being constantly bombarded by the godlessness of the world in which we live. So how do we avoid being conformed to this world? Paul tells us in this Romans verse, by renewing our minds. How do we do this? Well, you're doing it today. Seeking God's truth in God's word. In his high priestly prayer in John 17, Jesus prayed for his disciples to the Father. And he prayed, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. We're sanctified, transformed, metamorphosed by the truth in God's word. The Bible's not just another book. God's word is living and active and sharper than a two-edged sword. And sometimes I come away from it bleeding all over. It's breathed out by God. It's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness so that we can be equipped for every good work. Through our Bibles, we have access to the very mind of God. Is it possible to spend time in God's word and not be transformed? Well, sadly, it is. Some people come to God's word with the wrong attitude. Some come to it as a chore, one more thing on the checklist that they can check off so that God will approve of them and be pleased. Some people come to God's word as an intellectual exercise. They want to learn a lot more about what God's word says in order that they can be smarter than everybody else, but not in order that they can apply it to their lives. Some people come to God's word as a judge. They accept certain parts of God's word, but reject others as not necessary. We need to approach God's word with prayer, asking God to meet us and to teach us. We need to approach God's word with humility and a repentant spirit, willing to submit to all of scripture. We need to come intending to obey commands and believe truths and hold fast to promises and repent of sin. We need to let God's word dwell in us richly, to hide it in our hearts, to meditate on it day and night. In this fast world we live in, I think often we just breeze through and say we've done it, but don't really think about it. Don't meditate on it. Don't hold it in our hearts. And we need to do that in order for it to work in our lives. Do you want to be more like Jesus? Well, study him. Do you need to forgive someone? Look at what he did on the cross as he was being mocked and spit at and having nails driven into his hands. He said, Father, forgive them. Do you need to have more joy? Look at the joy he had in his life. Do you need to deal with temptation? Look at how he dealt with temptation in the wilderness through God's word. Spend time with him to be more like him. We need to approach God's word with excitement and with joy. I mean, do you ever really think about what God's word is? It is a message from the creator of everything. And he has lowered himself to communicate with us. Now, metamorphosis, 
is not always pleasant. Sometimes it's downright painful. But it's always for our good as the Holy Spirit is working to produce Christ, to form Christ in us. So ladies, by beholding the glory of God and by renewing your minds, go out and be transformed. Be metamorphosed into the image of God, the image that God created in us in the beginning. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we thank you that uh, you are a God who accepts us as we are and yet is not willing to leave us as we are. Our lives are full of disappointments and pain, and we can be sure that you're using all of those to transform us into the image of Christ. Father, give us hearts to seek you. Um, Give us hearts that are willing to be taught by your word. Give us hearts that are willing to submit to the leading of your spirit. Make us more and more like your son. And give us the desire to obey and to grow, not to be stagnant, not to resist the Holy Spirit, but to grow. Father, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.